podcast that teaches you how to have a higher quality sex life, where I share cutting-edge research in neuroscience and psychology, relatable stories, and practical mindfulness-based skills so that you can maximize your pleasure potential and unlock more awareness and energy in every area of your life. I am Master Life Coach and Mindfulness Expert, Danielle Savory, and I am thrilled to be on this journey with you. Hello, hello, hello. How is everyone doing today? I am doing so good. I've been working on a new workbook for the women in my Better Sex in 90 Days group program, and that has been so fun to work on. I love just thinking about them and what else can I give them that's going to help them along their journey. And it's just been so powerful, this group and what's coming up and the camaraderie that happens in these kind of group settings. And, you know, a lot of the women that I talk to that are getting ready to do this group experience, they're like, I don't even know how I'm going to talk to, you know, other women about this. Like I already feel uncomfortable about it, but what happens in this safe container is there's so much growth that can happen just in the fact that you're being witnessed and seen. It's like the sharing of something that you've harbored shame around or you've kept hidden or you didn't want to face or just being able to hear another woman talk about her experience and you know they're all vigorously nodding in the background like, yeah, me too, me too. Like That's how I feel sometimes. It's so powerful to be seen in this way. And I love watching what happens because it really helps facilitate them moving through their own personal growth journey at a quicker pace than they would be able to if they were doing this work on their own, because you get all these other perspectives. But the main perspective I think that you get is like, oh, wow, like, it's not just me. I'm not alone. Like there's this other sister in my group who's having this exact same experience, having these exact same thoughts you know, this group, and I think with all of the groups of women and even my one-on-one clients, what comes up a lot is just hesitation or shame or old belief patterns. And when we can witness each other and see each other in these old patterns, it can, you know, really move your experience along. You're like, okay, this is just the way that I've been taught about sex, or this is really what I've learned about my body. And I can let go of it. And you really can feel that like visceral feeling of your body of like letting go of these old beliefs that are holding you back from pleasure. Anyway, sorry, that was just a tangent. I'm just loving uh, this group of women and all of the coaching that we're doing every single week. And I highly encourage you to check out if you're interested in loving this podcast, the next group. Uh, that will be released in 2021. Uh, I think the launch is going to be opening in the end of January, and then we'll get started in February. Uh, I've already started getting some applications in. So if that's something that you want to hop on the phone and talk about and see if you're a good fit for, definitely go to daniellesavory.com slash group and check that all out. I don't think the dates are updated, but the application's still there. Okay. So what are we talking about in this group? One thing that we are talking about in this or in this group in this podcast today is self-pleasure. Uh, it's one of my favorite subjects. I absolutely love talking about this. And it's also come up a lot with my one-on-one clients recently and in my group. And I was like, it is time to do an episode on this. And I tried to go back through my history. I'm now over 80 episodes, which is so exciting. 
But go back through my history and see, like, did I ever talk about self-pleasure before? And I couldn't find anything. Maybe there is something there. But I wanted to really take the time and dedicate an entire episode to it because it's so important. So the things that I want to talk about today with you all about self-pleasure is just some of the beliefs that come up that actually hinder us from being able to explore our body and enjoy our body in this way and really starting to shift the look or the beliefs depending on how you've thought of it in the past or what it was used for in the past or how you were taught about self-pleasure and what actually it could look like for you, just opening up that possibility. And and then on that same vein of how self-pleasure can facilitate your personal growth in your sex life and also how it can hurt it. I think that's one thing that we don't do often is really take a look at how this could actually hurt us um, or hurt our sex life. And then for those of you that are interested, how you guys can actually get started with self-pleasure. So a couple of things that come up when it comes to self-pleasure is shame. That tends to be the predominant feeling when it comes to self-pleasure. And usually this is coming from the beliefs of the way that we were socialized. Uh, Usually the women that come to me that are experiencing a lot of shame, it's because of what they've been taught about self-pleasure and that this part of their body is only reserved for marriage and for their husband. And so any kind of exploration with their own body and enjoying themselves, feeling good in their own bodies has been presented to them as wrong or sinful or bad, right? So this is one of those old beliefs that we can still harbor. Now, even when it comes to a situation where perhaps you're no longer associated with the religion that you were in the past that told you that these things were wrong, or if you're getting to a place where it's like, well, once you're married, it's fine. (laughs) I can actually do this once I'm married, but still some of these things are lingering in the background. So the first thing that you want to take a look at is an understanding of why you're associating this practice with shame. It makes so much sense, right? If it's something that has been off limits and it's been presented to you as off limits, religious background or not, a lot of people have been told, like, get your hands out of your pants or what are you doing? Or if maybe they were just exploring or being a child who's naturally curious, touching your vulva at any point, and then having a parent, a teacher, a sibling say something to you like, stop that, that's wrong, or anything like that, that's going to plant the seed in your brain and in your mind that your body is not to be enjoyed in this way, and you can't even be curious about it. So just understand where all of this shame is coming from. The minute that you were told it was bad or were snapped at or it was wrong, your brain now developed a connection with you touching your body that was viewed from a negative light. So of course, shame's going to still come up, even if you don't believe that anymore, even if now you're in a relationship and you do want to touch yourself, but you just notice that your body immediately tenses up or you notice that you're thinking to yourself like this, like there's just this lingering belief in the back of your brain that this is wrong. You might not believe it anymore, but part of your brain still does. 
So this is just so important for you to see that the way that our brain learns and the way that we begin to develop neural connections with particular learned behaviors or associations starts at a young age. So regardless of what you think now, regardless of your beliefs about touching yourself now, usually we haven't done a lot of like exploration and inquiry into these old belief patterns. And that's why they're still there. It's just like you're driving down the road, you see a big red, what is it, a hexagon or whatever it is. And you're like, oh, that means stop. Actually, I think it's an octagon. Anyway, regardless, you associate (laughs) stop sign with having to stop, right? So it's the same kind of thing when it comes to self-pleasure is us as women have associated, usually because we've taught that it was wrong or dirty or anything like this as being stop, as off limits. And your body's still going to have that visceral reaction because it is the way that you've been thinking and believing about self-pleasure for so long. The other thing that's kind of like, in the foundation of these beliefs and the way that we really do take a look at self-pleasure is that our body is to be enjoyed or even you could say shared by and with our partner. So we have this kind of foundational belief that our bodies aren't our own, that even if we were to touch ourselves, it would have to be in the place of you know, enjoyment with our partner, that somehow that doing it just on our own is not okay, right? That it's taking away from us being able to enjoy this with our partner. One of my clients shared with me, she was like, well, it's not that I really think that it's wrong. I don't even really think that it's shameful, but I associate if you have to do that, like looking at it as something you have to do, then that means that I'm not having good sex with my husband. If I choose to touch myself, it's because my needs aren't getting met rather than looking at something as an opportunity for her to experience more pleasure in her body. She associated with feeling shameful because there must be something quote unquote going on in her marriage if she felt like she needed to find that outlet. And as we explored more deep, really what was coming up is that's how she would think if she found that her partner was self-pleasuring. Now, you may notice that I'm using the word self-pleasure versus masturbate, and I'm going to talk to you more about why I do that. But one of the things is, is there is so much shame naturally associated with the word masturbation. It can be triggering for a lot of people. And I really do look at it as something that's pleasurable, has the possibility of being pleasure. And it really is about self-pleasure, just like we think about self-care. So anyway, back to my client. So she was just noticing this whole thought pattern. She was like, what it was making it mean. That self-pleasure wasn't something that was just there for her and her curiosity and her enjoyment. But if she was doing self-pleasure in the act of self-pleasure, she made that mean that there must be something going wrong in her sex life. So she never actually wanted to spend very much time in the realm of self-pleasure because of what that would associate her meaning with. 
And I think so many of us can relate to this. Like it becomes this thing of like, oh, well, I don't need to. I don't need to please myself because I'm able to do that with my partner. Or I don't need to spend the time doing this because I'm going to have, you know, sex later on. We look at it as this need to fulfill. And I really want you to start entertaining the idea that self-pleasure really doesn't have to fulfill a need. It can just be another opportunity for you to connect with yourself. So when we're talking about the possibility of pleasure and we're talking about taking care of yourself, looking at self-pleasure as a way to self-care, it is an opportunity for you to be able to connect with your beautiful, you know, ecstatic, like, delicious body in the most loving and caring way. It's an intimate connection between you and yourself and your body. And self-pleasure actually can become this practice of not only feeling good and feeling pleasurable, but also being the giver and the receiver of pleasure. It really helps us develop this relationship with ourselves where so often we end up being the giver in so many circumstances, right? Not just in our relationships, you know, with ourselves, but with everyone. And this can be actually a practice of you practicing receiving, practicing receiving your own love, practice receiving your own touch, your own care. You can be the receiver of all of the love that you're so used to giving other people in your life. And that's why I think that self-pleasure is, you know, this very overlooked practice. A lot of times the way that we just look at pleasure and self-pleasure, and really when it comes to the word masturbation, it means touching your genitals. And usually the idea is that you touch your genitals to get off. Just like I talk about in every single other episode, whether it's sex or self-pleasure, the goal isn't orgasm. Does that end up being what you experience? No orgasms? Not all the time. There's so many opportunities for orgasms during self-pleasure and during sexual connection with your partner. However, it's not the goal. The goal is to be able to create pleasure within your body and then be the receiver of the pleasure. Now, when we start to approach self-pleasure in this way, then it really become this love affair that you have with yourself. You can let your fingertips be like these little love notes that you're touching and caressing all over your body, and then you can allow yourself to receive them. You can practice giving yourself appreciation for your body, and then you can receive them. It's this beautiful practice of a little bit of give and a little bit of take. You are the creator of the pleasure and you are the receiver of the pleasure that you yourself created. And I can't think of a more empowering place to be in than to be the one that you know is creating this pleasure and also the one that's receiving it. And that's why I think that when we really start to like see what's available for us and you begin to realize that this is your grounds of practicing pleasure, practicing pleasure on yourself, connecting with pleasure, really soaking in all of the good, it doesn't become about getting yourself somewhere. It's not about getting yourself off. It's not about, you know, just masturbating to be able to 
you know, relieve tension or something. Can it be that way? For sure. Sometimes we all need just like a release of tension, but it can be so much more. It can be this dance between you and your body. Again, this place of just ultimate self-love, ultimate vulnerability with yourself, practice, curiosity, all of these beautiful things that we're working on cultivating when we're connecting with ourselves in any capacity and we are connecting when it's coming to our body. Now, we've talked before on this podcast about body image issues and things that come up when it comes to sex. And I really believe that self-pleasure is this way for you to connect in your body in an appreciative and gratuitous way that you feel more connected. When you start practicing touching your body and you're touching it not with critical hands, like, oh gosh, I feel you know rough skin over here and I feel a little bump over here and woo, that's a little squishier than it used to be, when you're not doing it from this critical, judgmental place, but you're actually able to drop in and feel your hands on your body and know that those hands are coming from a place of ultimate love. Like, oh, woman, you're beautiful and I'm here to take care of you. Like, how does that feel? How does that feel? Feel to receive your own love and your own care and your own touch. It can be such a powerful experience. Now, let's talk about your partnered sex life and how self-pleasure can either help or take away from your sex life. So first, how it can help. I think that self-pleasure is one of these overlooked practice grounds for when it comes to our sexual connection. A lot of women are like, I don't even know what I want. I don't even know how to get myself aroused. I don't even you know, know all of the things. And you forget that we are not here to let orgasms happen to us. We are not here to assume that our partner, because perhaps they've been with somebody else before, should know how to take care of us. You are the only one that really can truly know. And self-pleasure is this beautiful and safe way for you to dis- like find out what feels really good for you, what you like perhaps how long it takes for you to become aroused, how long it takes for you to orgasm so you stop judging yourself during sex about the length of time things are taking. You start to understand the motions that you like. You learn how to breathe in it. You learn how to touch yourself in this beautiful and loving way. You learn about your body. The more knowledge and wisdom that you have with your body, the more you're going to be able to confidently help navigate the rest of your body with your partner. You can really start to translate it for them. Now, this is one thing that I want to make sure you understand. A lot of people you know, look at self-pleasure and it should be the same with a partner. And that's not the case at all. I really like to think of these in different realms. Self-pleasure, your relationship with yourself, your own sexuality, and being able to touch yourself and become orgasmic from your own touch is one thing. You being able to do that with your partner is a totally different thing. However, 
what you learn about your body, what you learn about your normal mental habits, your mental traps, these sorts of things that take you out of the experience and out of your body, you can take all of that information and apply it into this other bucket with your partner. Oh, I do know that I like this. Now, (laughs) this is going to really start to help you. When you understand what you like and why it works for you when you're self-pleasuring, then you can begin to try those out with your partner. You can begin to speak up and say the type of things that are working for you or not working for you. You can express your desires about what you want, and then you can be able to ask for them. This is the way that self-pleasure can help so much with your sex life. The other reason that I think self-pleasure helps so much with your sex life is because of the way of the evidence that it creates for your brain that pleasure is possible. If women are only basing their experiences with a male partner, let's just say a male partner in general, right? But it could be any partner. If they're only basing their experiences about their sex and about their sex life when it's partnered, then they might start to get the belief system like, I just don't really like sex because they're not able to get off. They might start developing these, you know, mindset that I don't really like sex, that it doesn't feel really good because of all these things that are coming up. And the conclusion the mind draws is there must be something wrong with me. This isn't just something I'm very into. There's something wrong with my partner. When you have found that you actually can enjoy self-pleasure, that you can experience, you know, sensual and sexual pleasure in your body, even if it is via self-pleasure, you know that it then could be possible. This helps bring in that belief that I've talked about so often that's so important to have is in the possibility of pleasure. The more you're able to connect with your body during self-pleasure, you can be like, oh, oh my goodness, if it's possible here, then it could also be possible with somebody else. There is more of a chance because I know that I'm wired and I've been able to experience pleasure or experience orgasms that I could learn how to do this with somebody else. I could help my partner also learn how to deliver (laughs) some of this pleasure to me that I've learned how to deliver to myself. If I'm able to receive touch from my fingers, perhaps I could receive touch from someone else's fingers or kisses, or caresses, or touches. It can really help your brain get to the place where you can see the possibility and pleasure. Now, how can self-pleasure hurt your sex life? One of the things that so many of the women and clients that I talk to bring up is they're like, it's just never as good. Self-pleasure has never been an issue. Like I can get myself off really, really quick. I can orgasm really, really quick, but I don't have that experience at all with my partner. Now, this is when it can begin to hurt your sex life only because we're using it to compare and think that it should translate directly. As I said before, really allowing your brain to see these as two different 
buckets. Let it influence your mind in the way that there's possibility for pleasure, that this is information that I could use with my partner rather than looking at it as this place of compare and despair. Like it's just never as good. He doesn't know how to touch me. It takes me forever when I'm there. None of those comparisons are useful if you actually want to be having good sex. When we think about creating intimate and delicious connection with our partner and with our body in the experience of a partner and sexual relationship, it is never helpful to compare like we talked about in last episode about sexual standards, but also comparing how you're able to experience, you know, genital touch with self-pleasure being the same as touch from someone else. Remember, there's so much more going on than just touch. There is all of the thoughts happening in your mind, all of your past experiences. There's so many other things that we work on when we're having partnered sex that you're just not thinking about during self-pleasure. So it's not useful to compare. Allow your self-pleasure game, if it's strong, to inspire you but not to shut you down. That's when we know that using, you know, self-pleasure against our sex life, when we're using it to put down our sex life, or it's not as good, or it never takes me as long, all of these kind of ways that you may be comparing your experience that is partnered to your self-pleasure is going to hurt your sex life. That is not going to create connection. It is not believing in the possibility of pleasure. You are now using self-pleasure to squash your sex life and (laughs) you squash that connection and the possibility of pleasure with your partner. So just let self-pleasure instead be something that's inspirational to you, that it allows you to see what's possible, that you're gathering information here And now I'm going to borrow it and use it over here, not to compare and despair, not to put down your sex life as being less than your self-pleasure game. It is simply different. Now, for those of you who may be new to self-pleasure or maybe you're very, you know, (laughs) um, what's the word I'm looking for? You self-pleasure a lot. This is something that you do. Here are some of the things that I want you to think about when approaching the practice of self-pleasure. First and foremost, this doesn't necessarily mean you're going in and touching your genitals. Just like we've talked about, like sex doesn't have to equal penis and vagina. If this is a brand new practice to you, give yourself permission to warm up. Get used to warming up to your body. Perhaps you're just touching yourself in the shower. Perhaps you're massaging and spending time on your breast. Perhaps you're getting closer to your vulva, but you're not actually touching it. You don't have to go, I've never touched myself straight into, you know, rubbing your clitoris or using a vibrator or a dildo or anything like that. Okay. So just give yourself permission that you're just learning how to touch and you're learning how to receive whatever that looks like. The goal is not orgasm. The goal is a pleasurable connection between you and your body, learning how to receive. As you get more comfortable being the receiver of your own touch, you may begin to flirt with the idea then of touching your vulva, of using your fingers to, you know, touch on the outside of it, to 
give some pressure to your clitoris to begin to, you know, whatever it is that you want to do, then you're really giving yourself permission to warm up to the idea. Especially if you're starting to let go of thoughts and feelings of shame, this might still bring up some shameful thoughts. And that's when you're just reminding yourself, this is something that you're letting go of. And you can come back to feeling the loving touch, that your touch isn't actually dirty, that it's not touch that is, has any ulterior motives other than, you know, connecting with yourself in a loving and pleasurable way. That's what your fingers and your hands are there for. And letting your fingertips, again, be little love notes, letting this be a love affair with you. That's going to really allow your self-pleasure game to be able to grow and flourish into this amazing, delicious experience that it's so much more than just going straight for the genitals and getting to orgasm. It becomes this, you know, connection between you and yourself of love and appreciation and gratitude. Now let's talk a little bit about vibrators and sex toys and everything else. Again, there is a lot of thoughts around these kind of things that there is a hierarchy, like I should be able to, you know, feel really good and be pleasured and self-pleasure without the use of toys. Um, Or perhaps that using toys and not my own fingertips or something like that is less than or dirty than. Listen, a vibrator is a neutral thing. (laughs) How you use it, what you use it for is totally up to you. If you have never been able to orgasm, then give it a shot. Show your brain that you are wired for pleasure. Show your brain that you are able to experience this level of pleasure that's going to take you to orgasmic capabilities. If, however, you've been using a vibrator all the time and you're really curious about creating this kind of experience for yourself, then perhaps your next level when it comes to the self-pleasure game is learning how to connect with your body without the use of a toy. Is one of these better or worse than the other? Absolutely not. They're just different situations. They're just different flavors. And when you give yourself permission to experience a myriad, I never can say that word, myriad, myriad, you know what I'm saying, a variety that's a better word, a variety of experiences with your body, it's so much more fun for you. It can be such amazing experience not to put these standards and put like limitations and boxes on yourself, especially when you start to learn like there is not one that's better than the other. There isn't one that's quote unquote dirtier than something else. These are the things that we have been taught. These are the things we've been socialized to learn. But woman, give yourself permission to be curious, to explore, to be able to enjoy this beautiful body that you're living in and all of the pleasure that's possible in your fingertips. So again, self-pleasure has so much possibility for you. Instead of 
you know, associating touch and touching ourselves as something that we're desperate and we need because we're not getting it from our partner or something that's shameful or even something that's off limits. How can you allow your brain to see that this is an opportunity for you to develop a deeper connection with yourself? It is an opportunity for you to deliver pleasure to yourself and at the same time receive it, that this is going to help create such a strong bond and connection with your body, with your soul, with your heart, with you as a woman. And it is your birthright to be able to touch and share your own body with yourself. Have fun. (laughs) After you listen to this episode, give yourself permission to bring this in to a regular part of your practice. This is definitely a part of my self-care practice. It's one of the most delicious and pleasing and amazing self-practices that creates that groundness and that connection with my body and also leaves me energized and juiced and, you know, full of so much electricity and vibrancy. And I really hope the same can be true for you. As always, it's been my absolute pleasure to share this episode with you. I hope that it helps you up your self-pleasure game no matter where you're at. And just remember, if you want to have work, working on your self-pleasure game in a group, then we talk about this in detail with you know guidance and coaching in Better Sex in 90 Days. Applications are open now and enrollment will start next January. Have a wonderful week and I'll talk to you soon.